we are in the middle in our, in our discussion of Love 101, we're in the middle of a five-week spot talking about the love languages. Now, how many of you have been to the website and taken the test and so you know your love language already? Okay, so uh, about a third. So if you haven't been there yet, 5lovelanguages.com, the number 5lovelanguages.com. Uh, believe me, if you're, don't, if you're not into this whole thing of the love languages, if you think it's dull, uh, it's going to be over in a couple of weeks and we'll get back to some other information about love, how to love the most important people in our lives. If you're married, your spouse, your kids, your best friends, your, your closest acquaintances. So the love languages, the idea behind the love languages is everybody receives love in some specific way. Everyone when they choose to give love to others, they usually express it in a certain way. And there's five that Gary Chapman has identified. We've already talked about the first couple. So words of affirmation, quality time, just spending time with each other with no distractions, uh, giving and receiving of gifts. We'll talk about that next week. Physical touch. And then what we're going to talk about today, acts of service, acts of service. So um, by the way, just for fun, those of you who've taken the test already, how many of you would say words of affirmation is your thing? Anybody? Okay. How many uh, quality time? How many giving and receiving of gifts? Okay. Um, how many physical touch? All right. And how many acts of service people? Okay. Okay. All right. Good to know. All right. So here's the thing. What does it mean acts of service? People with this love language give love by doing helpful things for those they love. They receive love by the people they love doing things they otherwise would have to do. In other words, taking the load off of them. That to them is an act of love. When you do something that they go, oh, wow, my schedule just cleared up. Now I've got time to do other things. Good, thank you for doing that for me. Now I married someone who this is one of her primary love languages. And I wanna tell you, Two mistakes that I made in the early days, two of the many mistakes I made, but two related to this particularly. Just to give you some advice, if you're married to someone with this love language, if you're trying to love somebody with this love language, two mistakes I made. Number one, for years, I didn't realize that she was doing all these things out of love for me. I really didn't. I mean, she, she kept the house clean. She did all kinds of chores. She paid the bills. I think I've told y'all when we first got married, I thought the man's job was to pay the bills. And after a while, she's like, okay, let me do this. Because she saw I was not doing a good job of it. Um, and I thought, well, you know, she just does that because she likes living in a clean house. She likes doing that because she's a little more anal than I am. So she needs to know that things are being paid at a particular schedule. She, she's a detailed person. So she's going to, I just thought that's how she was. And you know what? That's true but it's also true that she was doing it out of love for me. See, both things can be equally true. Expressing the love can be a source of pleasure to you and a true expression of love. For me, as a guy who's into words of affirmation and physical touch, it's the same for me. I enjoy putting my arm around my wife. I, I get a lot of pleasure out of that, but it's still an act of love. I enjoy saying kind things to her when she'll let me, when it's not embarrassing to her, right? Because that's not her thing but it's still an act of love. So that was my first mistake. For years, I didn't appreciate what she was doing. I just thought, look at her, look at all the stuff she's doing. She's so weird. She's just so into these details. The second mistake I made, an even bigger mistake. 
I never said these words out loud. In fact, I never consciously thought them, but this was my attitude for years of our marriage. She obviously enjoys all this cleaning and organizing and managing our home, so okay, good on me. I'll just let her do it. I was the joyful recipient of acts of service without, without realizing they were acts of love and without realizing she wanted me to be a part of that. So don't make those mistakes. We'll talk more about that. See, this is, out of the five love languages, this is the one that's most surprising to a lot of us because we see the other four in fictional stories about love, don't we? In fictional stories about love, obviously, there's people who praise the person they love with, with eloquent words. That's common. There's, they, they, they spend time together. They'll, they'll travel miles just to gaze into each other's eyes. They'll give each other extravagant gifts. They'll, obviously, they'll physically touch each other. But how many fictional stories about love do we read where someone goes and cleans someone's house or, or goes and, and washes someone's car or goes and, and keeps the kids for them, Right? That's just not something we read about in fiction. And so we don't usually think about this, and that was part of my problem too. I didn't understand this is an act of love. But we do see it in the most powerful and important nonfiction work ever made, and that's the Bible. So the greatest, one of the greatest examples of love is found in John 13. John 13, verse 12, and this is an act of service. We know this story, the night before Jesus died, Think he had a lot on his mind at that moment? In hours, he's going to be betrayed by one of his best friends. He's going to be arrested, beaten, denied by his people, condemned by his people, then beaten again and crucified. He's got a lot on his mind. So what does he do? He gathers with his disciples. He spends quality time with them, but he does more. He takes off his outer garment, stripped to the waist. He ties a towel around himself. He washes their feet. He washes their feet. And in chapter 13 of John, verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So think about that act. Number one, it was thoughtful. What Jesus did met a real need. We look at it as a symbolic thing, but it was real. It met a real need. In that culture, some of you've heard this, in that culture, everyone walked everywhere. The roads were not paved. You wore open-toed shoes. So when you got to where you were going, it was an act of extreme kindness for your host to give you a towel and a basin of water to wash off your feet. So you're not walking around in mud and gunk for the rest of the night. Or if they were wealthy and they wanted to be really extravagant, they would have their servant do it for you. Their lowliest servant, because it's something nobody wanted to do. And Jesus does it for them. He did what no host would do. He washed the feet of his guests for them. It was an act of extreme kindness and thoughtfulness. It was an act of humility that shocked his disciples. You may recall, Peter even said, hey, you can't do this for me. But Jesus showed him it was necessary. The other thing about it, it was done as an example. He said, if I do this for you, you should do this for one another. And that too was an act of love, telling them, if you want to have healthy relationships, serve each other. 
I'm not just doing this as an act of kindness now. I'm hoping you're going to show love to each other in the same way. I'm hoping you're going to look at your brother, your sister, your spouse, your child, your neighbor, your coworker, and say, if I were in his shoes, her shoes, this is what I would love someone to do for me, so I'll just go ahead and do it. Without being asked, maybe even without even telling them what I've done, I'm just going to do it. Jesus was giving us a gift. He was teaching us how to love. So that brings up the question, and we need to tackle this before we move on. Why don't we literally wash each other's feet anymore? I've never had someone else wash my feet, at least since I've been a little boy. I'm sure my mom did it more than once. You know, honestly, I don't want someone to wash my feet. My feet are ticklish, okay? They're pretty ugly, too. I've got hobbit feet, in case you don't know. Uh, I wear sandals sometimes, and my wife and kids are like, eh, no, no. So, So it's not so much an attractive thing to me. It's a cultural thing. We don't wash each other's feet for the same reason we don't greet one another with a holy kiss, because that's also commanded in Scripture. Both of those things meant something different in biblical times than they do today. What is an act of consideration we could do for someone else today? You know, again, if you offer to wash the feet of the person you love, they'd probably say, well, no, I don't really want that. You know, buy me a pedicure, okay, but no, I don't want your hands on my feet, but, but could you clean my car? I mean, I've got, I've got this big trip. I'm getting packed right now. I didn't have time to go get it washed. What if you vacuumed it out, washed it for her before the big trip and said, look what I've done? What about, what about sneaking in to your friend's house when they're out, out of town one week and cleaning the whole place? or having it cleaned if cleaning is not your thing, or mowing the yard when you know they're, they're backed up and, and can't get to it, so you go and show up and just mow and weed eat without asking. Or what if, what if your best friend is, has got a big date coming up and you know that she's anxious about that, and so you say, hey, I'll keep the kids so you can, you can go out. Um, what, about, what about something that you know your spouse consistently does And one day, without asking, without telling, you just do it. And they show up and realize, oh, it's already done. How about that? Those are acts of consideration. And there's so many more that we could name. Uh, Give you another scripture, Matthew 23, 11. Matthew 23, 11. This is a message Jesus taught. If you read the Gospels, you'll see the same message spoken by Jesus to his disciples at least four times in different ways. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. If you looked it up, if you searched for that same message, you'd see Jesus saying it to his disciples at least four times in different ways. Why? Number one, because it was important. But number two, because they couldn't get it. He had to keep repeating it because that doesn't come naturally to us. That's not what you hear on ESPN. That's not what you hear on CNN or Fox. The greatest among us, according to them, are the people who score the touchdowns, the people who win elections, the people who make fortunes. Jesus said, no, the greatest among you is the one who serves the most. So in other words, when we love someone through acts of service, we're not only showing them true love, we're growing in Christ. This is a great way to grow in Christ. By the way, sometimes Christians will talk about, why are we going on mission trips? Isn't there enough to do around here? Absolutely. And we hope to be a church that is constantly active, meeting the needs of people in our neighborhood. So why would we go to uh, Peru? Why would we go to Vancouver? Why would we go to Costa Rica? Why do people go to foreign countries? 
Well, number one, because it supports the missionaries who are there and they need our encouragement. But number two, when you get out somewhere away and you serve someone who can't possibly pay you back, it does something to your soul, something irreplaceable. It changes you. It brings you closer to Christ. Whether you go to New Orleans or next door or around the world, if you serve someone else and you don't get anything in return, you grow closer to Christ. All right, so how do you know if the person you love has this love language? Well, they're probably a doer. You know what I mean by a doer? They are constantly in motion. They're constantly doing something. They have a hard time walking away from responsibility. I, on the other hand, can sleep well at night knowing that my to-do list is unchecked off. (laughs) Doesn't bother me a bit. My wife, on the other hand, she can't. She'll toss and turn and, and sometimes even get up and start doing things because it bothers her to have things undone. All right, y'all take this. I hope you take this the right way. A lot of you raised your hand when I mentioned this, but one of the ways you can notice someone's love language is by hearing what they complain about, okay? So a person with this love language is probably not gonna say, you know, I wish you would tell me you love me more often. They're not gonna say, you know, you used to bring me flowers. Why don't you bring me, why don't you do that anymore? They're probably not gonna say, you know, why don't you put your arm around me? I, I miss that. But they will say, I wish you would help me with the dishes sometimes. I wish, I wish that, I didn't have to remind you every week to mow the yard. I wish that when our kids are fussy, you would pitch in and not just sit there waiting impatiently for me to get them under control. You can hear the complaint of the one you love and say, that's what they need. Now, hear me. I'm not saying the way I get loved is by complaining, okay? Please don't hear me saying that. Please. Don't hear me saying that. Go back and listen to the podcast about words of affirmation, okay? But if, as you, the one who loves this person, if you notice they're always saying or, or consistently saying, you know, I really wish we could have this in our home or I wish this was different, and you know, you know, that's what they're longing for. They're longing for someone to help take some of the load off their shoulders. That would feel like love to them. And people with this love language may not respond to the traditional acts of love you try. So I've got a story. I mentioned buying flowers. I I knew a guy, um, and his marriage was in trouble, and he he came to me. He said, I don't get it. She's unhappy all the time. He said, I really don't get it because I am so good to that woman. He said, if you went to the house, you'd see all all these vases and pots stacked up on top of our kitchen counter. Those are all the flowers I've bought her. And we've only been married like a year and a half. And there's like, a, there's like dozens of them. I just, I'm constantly bringing home flowers. I don't know why she's not happy. And I said, maybe she doesn't want flowers. He did not like to hear that. But it's true. She didn't really want flowers. She wanted him to be active, to be her partner in getting things done. That was hard for him because he had a picture in his mind of what love looks like. That's one of our mistakes, and I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. One of our mistakes is we come into a relationship sometimes thinking, I know what love looks like. I've read all the books, or I know what love looks like. I was loved as a child, and and this is how I received love. And so we want to force that person we love into a certain mold and say, I'm doing this for you. Now you better be happy when what they need, what they're longing for may be something 
Something different. Something you could give. You just don't think about it. So, how to love someone through acts of service. Well, this is important. This may be the most important of all. Notice and verbally appreciate the things they do for you. So when I finally realized that my wife's constant activity, organizing, managing, uh, making our home a great place to live, when I realized it wasn't just for her benefit, that it was an act of love, I, I, I realized I need to start appreciating this more. I need to tell her thank you. I get home and there's laundry done. I mean, how great is that? I never have to think about it. I get home and the place looks fantastic. I, I never have to pay a bill. Our home is managed. Why don't I say thank you? I need to. And so I started. And I hope I do it more consistently than I used to. Secondly, when you do something for them, do it with a positive attitude. So here's my problem. Here's my other problem is when I would do things, I would often do it with a big sigh, with an eye roll, with a... Okay, I mean, you know, I was kind of doing something here, but okay, if you want me to, I guess I can. And that's not love. That's not going to be received as love. If you make them feel like they're a burden to you, it's not an act of love. So do it with a good attitude. You're like, well, but I don't feel a good attitude. Fake it. <laughs> Faking it works, it really does. It really does. Trust me, trust me. Their love language probably isn't your love languages. Your love language, he or she has faked it for you before, okay? You can do this. You can say in your heart of hearts, man, I was looking forward to sitting on the couch and, and reading this book or watching this game or whatever, but okay, okay, you want me to help you with this? I'm gonna do that. I'm, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited about this plan. And you do it and your heart starts to change. See, that's the thing. Action sometimes precedes attitude. Third, ask them to make a list of things you could do that would make their lives better. So for me, acts of service is near the bottom. It's probably number four on my list. So I don't notice a lot of the things that need to be done. If Carrie were in here, she would tell you if she were not the sweet person she is, that that is the biggest understatement I've ever spoken. I don't notice the things that need to be done. So I always tell her, if you would make a list of the stuff that you need me to do, that way I can plan the time that I need to do it, I'll happily do it. And we've had to kind of negotiate that through because it's hard for her to think that way. You know, she grew up with a dad who just knew the stuff that needed to be done and got it done. You as a person whose love language is acts of service, you need to understand that the person you love, your spouse, your child, your friend, they may not operate that way. They may not notice all these things. They may be perfectly fine with a dish full of dirty sinks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was creative. I like that. <laughs> I got to write that down. They may be fine with all these things that just drive you nuts. So do them a favor. If they ask, say gladly, this would help me tremendously. And if you're the person who doesn't have the gift and the person you talk to is resistant, say, listen, I just wanna take things off your shoulders. I wanna make life better for you. This is what I can do for you. I just don't know how, can you help me? Here's a fourth thing. If you wanna love somebody with this gift, 
know their schedule, know what's going on in their lives. There are moments when you especially need to jump in and take things off their shoulders. There are times when it would be especially helpful for you to take those responsibilities. I'll take the kids to school today. This week, this whole week, I'm going to take them to school and I'm going to pick them up. This whole week, I'm going to feed your dogs for you because I know I know you're going to be away from the house a lot and you're worried about them. I'm going to take them for a walk. Yes, I will bring the little HEV bag and I'll scoop up their poop. Don't worry. I'm not going to make your neighbors mad at me. Know their schedule so you can know when to step in. All right? Uh, here's a good one. Discover what regular task they hate doing so you can offer to take it off their plate permanently. My wife loves to do things. One thing she doesn't like to do is ironing. So you know what? We just don't have iron clothes. So, <laughs> no, I just know that if I need things ironed, I don't say, hey, Carrie, can you iron this for me? Because she's already doing a hundred other things. I do it. I also discovered that uh, for a small fee, they'll clean your dress shirts and press them. So sometimes that happens. <clears throat> Here's another one. And this is a big one. Don't take advantage of them. See, the temptation when someone you love has this gift, has this love language, is to take for granted all these things they do for you and to keep piling things on because you know they won't say no because it's just not in their nature. And after a while, they feel used. It doesn't matter that that's their love language. They realize you're not receiving it as love. You're receiving it as unpaid slave labor. So don't take advantage of them. And folks, if you have this love language and you feel like you're being used, it's okay to speak up. In fact, I want you to speak up. The person who loves you ultimately is going to want you to speak up and let them know, listen, I want to do these things for you, but you need to work with me, all right? I feel like I'm your slave and not your friend, your spouse, your, uh, your loved one. So speak up. They may not realize what they're doing to you. And then finally, surprise them by doing all their responsibilities one day. That's a great way to show love to one of these people. So I read this story when I was a kid. You know, remember when you were a teenager and you had, to, you had English class and you had to read all these short stories and, and you had to write book reports and all that stuff. And most of those things you've gladly forgotten. Let's be honest, some of you read the, the uh, cliff notes and just did it that way or copied off your, your neighbor or whatever. Well, there was a story I read when I was in high school. Don't know who wrote it, don't know the title, but it has stuck with me all this time because it was the story of uh, a kid who was the son of a dairy farmer. It's a fictional story as far as I know, and it resonated with me because my grandpa was a dairy farmer. So in the story, the kid is very poor. Christmas is coming. He wants to get his dad something really meaningful, and he can't figure out what it can be. He's not really crafty. He can't make something, and so it occurs to him, on Christmas Day, I'm going to get up and I'm going to milk all the cows for dad so he doesn't have to. Problem is, anybody who's ever been on a dairy knows, you got to get up really, really early to milk all the cows because dad gets up before dawn. So this kid wakes himself up at three in the morning and he goes into the barn and, you know, the story gives all the details of, you know, lighting the lantern and walking in there and gathering the cattle and milking the cows and he manages to get back in bed before his dad wakes up. Now, the way the story ends is the dad wakes up and he's so surprised and the, the kid says, 
for years after, I mean, until the day dad died, every Christmas he'd say, you know what the best Christmas gift I ever got was? It's when Junior there milked all the cows for me that day. And that stuck with me because it, it's just, it just speaks of that's love. I'm going to do something meaningful. I'm going to do what I can. When you can surprise them, they haven't even asked you. You don't go, look what I did. You just surprise them by doing something burdensome that frees them up. That is an act of true love. You know what the greatest act of service of all time was, though? It wasn't, it wasn't milking somebody's cows. It wasn't even washing the feet of the disciples. It was when Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross. That is a true act of service because it was exactly what needed to happen for us. It came out of a heart of absolute love for us. We didn't ask. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, while we were God's enemies, in fact, we were opposed to him, he died for us. And it won us home. It made us his forever. That's an act of service. So every time we do an act of service, we're becoming a little bit more like him. We're remembering the love we were perfectly given at the cross. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and then leave you to uh, fellowship with each other. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you are who you are. Grateful, Lord, that you gave your life. You didn't just tell us that you loved us. You gave yourself. And Lord, that is what, what was needed for our salvation I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us to love in that way, to love truly, to love with our lives. Lord, help us to identify the people around us and what they need from us and to show them true love. Teach us to love because we're not good at it. Lord, I pray that in the days to come, people would, would notice the way we're treating them, that our relationships would, be become, would become much more healthy, much more um, equal, much more joy-producing, and much more uh, emblematic of the perfect love of Christ. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.